Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Riggle's clear. Might just get the chip and he does. He's scored! Oh, what a great And our special guest this week is Paul Smirnitsky. Welcome, Paul. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So, just a little... Paul is one of the founders of the Relaunch Fiction Records, and you can stop me and correct me at any point that I get things wrong here. He's been in the music industry for well over 20 years. He's a former director of digital at Universal Music UK, and set up the company Restless Natives with fellow Scott Gordon Smart to manage talent and build culture and love around organisations and brands. Oh my God, that makes me sound like an absolute wanker, doesn't it? I don't think those are my words. <laughs> I've not finished yet. A big, good-looking <laughs> Arab who one day will live-stream the opening of a 40-year-old packet of football cards to try out the chewing gum contained inside it, along with my good self. So that's on the cards, isn't it? That's, that's something we've had set up for a while but just never got round to doing it. I think now's probably not there's enough sort of death and <laughs> you know hospitalization listen it, it could be it could be the cure it could be it could be the cure is <laughs> produced inside our bodies as a, as a reaction to eating 40 year old chewing gum well, that'd be amazing wouldn't it well you know whenever whenever uh whenever the time's right andy we'll we'll, we'll do that we'll say our goodbyes and write our little letters <laughs> to our loved ones first <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have tom and standby with a defib unit and things like that and <laughs> everything so um, the, we've got a match magazine to look at this week. Um, it's from the 9th of May, 1987. And we'll do, as, as we always do, start off with the front cover. And it says, new exciting match. So that's, ooh, exciting. You're up to date football weekly. And it's 45 pence. And the front cover shows a picture of Chris Woods in goal for Rangers with his hand cupped to his mouth. No doubt about to bark out some orders to his teammates. He's wearing Roosh, Roish. Does anybody have an opinion on well, an opinion or a fact on how that's pronounced? Is it Roosh or Roish? I, I would say Roish, isn't it? I mean, that's spent my forty odd years thinking that. Okay, now I'm, I'm fine with that, Roish. Um, it's a yellow top with blue palms, the gloves. Um, they're personalised oh, yeah. in the wrist strap as well, which I um, I didn't really think was going on back then. And he's wearing the yellow and black C.R. Smith goalie top. The other photos of Peter Shelton playing for England. Um, as he's dropping onto an Adidas Tango, the Mexico ball. Now, that's obviously from that World Cup, isn't it? So, I mean, it, that may well even be from the, the Argentina game, with the hand of God. So, the the main title says, Move Over Shouts. And the text says that Mike, Mick Channing says that Woods is about to take over the number one slot with England from Shelton. Shannon gives his views inside as well, where he'll be discussing England's goalless draw with Turkey in European Championship qualifiers. I think just, I'm just looking at this, looking at this now. I wonder if this is a crossover point because Shelton is like he looks like an old school footballer, doesn't he? He looks mm. old, probably much older than he actually is. Yeah. Whereas 
Woodsy's like he's quite handsome. He looks like he could be a I don't know, like he's got a yacht or something. You should yeah. sort of do see stroll on the beaches in the south of France. Yeah. So I wonder if this is like the handing of the baton from Well we'll actually go into that in a little bit, but just a wee um a wee spoiler for you here is I mean, because um Shelton played in the nineteen ninety World Cup. So which is another four you know, three, four years later. So he d- did retain his number one slot up until just after the 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 Euro uh, the World Cup in Italy. So, mm. but we will go into that in a bit of detail inside. Brian Robson in the New England kit. So Match has a look at the new kit um, inside. Revealed the Doc's Nike Dream Team. So Tommy Doherty picks his dream team of Nike boot wearers in a Match Readers competition. So that sounds <laughs> really, really exciting. Uh, Rushy's final fling. It's Ian's league bow. Uh, match looks at Ian Rushy's last game before his move to Italy. Um, all the bank holiday results and ratings and match facts. Um, just a couple of the other um, prices here. So it's $2.25 in Singapore. Spain, 190 pesetas. Remember those? HFL. Now, I'm, I'm presuming this is the, the Dutch Gilder. Was it the Hollandaise Florin, which sounds like a an egg... Mm, an egg in um, Hollandaise based sort of I mean um, but do, do we know HFL is that the, the Dutch Gilder it's just it's, it's unusual because it says Singapore and then the, the money Spain and then the money and then it just says HFL to dot 50 any thoughts uh, that seems legit I would imagine there'd be quite an interest in UK football in Holland right mm. it's, unless it's on Judas yeah so so the, I mean that was the currency in the Netherlands until 2002 so what we'll do it's a you know it's, it's a couple of photographs there, but there's a lot of text to to take in about what's inside. So we'll, we'll jump in to pages two and three, and it's move over shelts. So this is this is what the main page is about. And Woods is ready to step in, and I'll just stop rustling the paper and pretending that that's what I'm actually reading through. Um, <laughs> so the European Championship special, and this is UEFA. 1988, the the qualifiers. So match brings you inside the inside stories behind England's trauma in Turkey, plus a roundup of other important action. It was a nil nil draw, um, and it just shows you, I guess, the. I mean, Tur- Turkey have improved as a side then over the years. That England are saying that this was a trauma, a nil nil draw away to Turkey, and it says standing keeper Chris Woods proved that there is life after Peter Shelton as England's expected Turkey shoot backfired in Ishmael. The performance of the Rangers stopper was one of the few bright spots in a disappointing display. Former England favourite Mick Channon is now convinced his former Norwich teammate is ready to take over on a permanent basis. And Mick says, uh, A couple of years ago, Peter was going through a dodgy spell, and I said at the time Chris should have taken over from him there and then. He was playing out of his skin for Norwich and looked international class. Peter can't go on forever, and it's only a matter of time before Chris takes over. So I think Mick, Mick's got the same sort of mind process as yourself there, Paul. Um, so Chris's performance in the 0-0 draw confirmed that view, and now the Scotland-based keeper says, My aim is to be number one. I'm as ambitious as any could be, but Peter Shelton is still the number one, and it's up to me to match him. I was lucky to work with him as a teenager at Forest, and he's taught me uh, so many things since. Now, despite missing the Turkey game through injury, Shelton has no mood to give up his number one spot. And he says, I'm as fit and as sharp as ever. And in my mind, I know I'm as good. My message to Chris is, hands off my jersey. 
So, yeah, and so as I said, Shilton would hold on, hold on to the number one jersey pretty much until after the 1990 World Cup. Um, Woods would play in friendlies between then and taking over the number one spot after that. So he, he was getting games, but it was just really in friendlies in between them. Now, amongst the, the if you look at the photos, amongst the photos shown in the page is a colour photo of Glenn Hoddle. And he's going into a challenge with a turkey player. And just based on that, it's what I describe as a meaty challenge. It looks as though, <laughs> it looks as though there's been a um, two foot off the ground at some point into that. And, you know, the grimace on his face sort of tells us a bit of a story as well. You know, looking at just at that, and, and I know sometimes the camera lies about the the nature of challenging, but that's a red card for me. <laughs> it looks like he's crumbled the boy's ankle as well. I think in Scotland you'd call that a reducer, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like very sort of League One uh, standard yeah. tackle. But, um, what jumps out most for me in that photograph is the England kit, which is absolutely superb. Mm. One of my favourite kits, you know, being being objective, and not <laughs> not not taking umbrage at, the, at England being a Scotsman, but um, yeah, they look that just as a fantastic kit that, that he's got on there. See, I, I mean, I, I mean, obviously everybody has their favourite, and it, I, I just think it's a bit plain, a bit. Mm. I, um, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm that fan of, of the Admiral one, the 1982 one, uh, but I love everything 1980. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's, it's still, it's still nicer than a lot of the, the efforts that they've come up with um, through the years. Um, mm. Short shots, not we've seen shorter shots than this before, haven't we? But they're still quite short. We're on to page four now. So it says, first with the action. So Match are singing their own praises on this page, possibly alluding to the new exciting referred to in the front page. And they say, we've got unrivaled coverage of England's vital European Championship qualifier in Turkey, underlining that no other magazine can publish colour action pictures and stories faster than Match. They brought the first England team picture and in this publication are bringing pictures of the new England strip. So again, I think this is this is coming back to the competition with shoot, you know, shoot shoot are still, you know, probably in the lead at this point in terms of numbers, um, but they're certainly having a wee bit. I mean, I, I don't I don't see what other magazine would have been around in '87 that mm. they would have been up against. So I think it's just a straight battle between the two of those. But they're certainly, you know, singing their praises and you know trying to boost them boost their sales which you know maybe they needed to go to to that um that company that tries to bring love and all the <laughs> so on, on the same page we have an advert and it's football pajamas with matching dressing gowns and your favorite team strip and it's got brackets it's club approved so i, th I was thinking about that and i was just wondering if because I've, I've seen similar adverts in the past and they never said club approved so i'm just wondering if this was the sort of period, maybe a bit earlier, where clubs were starting to get a wee bit stricter about um, making, you know, replicas and their image rights and things like that. So maybe, maybe that was happening around about this time. It's um, this, you know, all the obvious clubs in there. I mean, a couple of like strange ones at Dundee, for instance. Mm. Like well, that seems a, a little bit. Uh, I don't know, out of place in some ways. West Brom, I guess they were a bigger, bigger team at the time, but um, yeah. it's brilliant. I, I would love a, I love a set of uh, Dundee United pajamas. I'd still wear them now, <laughs> with with matching dressing gowns. Yeah, yeah, probably 
not just at night times either. You'd probably just walk about the house during the day with it on as well. <laughs> I would go. I would. The, the, I the, would. the interesting thing here is that it says, well, they've got Celtic and then G Rangers, um, but it says bear motif. So I'm assuming it's not a Rangers badge like the other ones, and it's just like a bear on it or something. And so I'm guessing in that situation, you wouldn't have to get club approval for that. I think it's probably from the era as well where teams were thinking of themselves more and more as brands rather than just you know football teams and looking at ways of creating revenue off the pitch or outside of, outside of match days. You know, it feels like you know you mentioned like for instance Chris Woods having his gloves uh, personalised, and it just now to my recollection is um, that that's when things start to change or I certainly noticed more of those things kind of coming into the in and around the game so yeah revenue extension yeah I mean certainly I mean on the same page you've got all sport gloves as well and and I talk about it that my my first pair of proper gloves like gloves with a a, a foam rubber palm on them was when I went to university up until that point, it was the the gardening gloves with the with the rubber <laughs> pimples on them. Or as I said, it used to be that if it was cold and stuff, I'd wear these um, the ski gloves that you get, which were padded, yeah. and and I'd use those as well. Um, but the the first pair of gloves I got were in sport and they were a, they were hand me down from a friend at uni who was about six foot seven, so they, they were they were quite big on us as well. And I used to I used to wear another pair of gloves inside them. Just to pad to, them out. Yeah, so I, I ended up looking like Kenny Everett, you know, and the, and the <laughs> brotherly, brotherly love one. There's certainly, no, there's certainly no cheap. No. Those gloves, uh, twenty-two pounds. That'll be thirty-two pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what that would be. I mean, that's probably a seventy quid, and sort of if you were to make it in today's money, it's yeah. a lot of dough. I play, I like you, Andy. I played in goal when I was about. Well, I would have been fifteen when this magazine was published. Mm. And I was still playing in goal at that time, and I just I thought Ulsport were it just seemed so romantic and continental, you know. And I had I had I would have I was immediately drawn to this ad because I feel like I've seen it before, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not this ex- this exact one, but I kind of felt like someone was coming from somewhere abroad was going to make me better. And my favourite ever goalie top was an Ulsport top that was like a silvery grey colour. With black pads, and mm-hmm. I abs- I love that top, and, f- and I've got a photo of me in it somewhere. But um, sort of puts me in mind of what was Enger. I can see him in, and it might be the same one. I can see him in the the sort of silvery, the grey mm-hmm. silvery one. Is it was it quite shiny? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. It was great. And talking about gloves as well, I watched. Um, you 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 maybe saw that BBC Scotland have been um, running some old like classic. Scottish football games while there's mm. no football on and yeah. one last week was this 1981 Scottish Cup semi-final which was United versus uh, Celtic in the replay and Hamish McAlpine was in goal for United and he started the game with no gloves on, just his bare hands and then at some point in the first half, gloves appear yeah. and uh, there was quite a lot of like, you know, online there was a lot of head scratching over that, like why did he not have the gloves on at the start of the game, was he cold, was he getting his spams? Pam's stung, yeah. you know. It seemed like a weird, and you know, I don't think he had it. But also, uh, uh, some somewhere on on the side, it's, it's even got it right. Glove bags. Remember when goalies came out with a wee bag? Oh yeah. I don't don't seem to do that so much, and I was never very sure what goalies kept in their bags. Maybe other than a spare pair of gloves. 
Yeah, no, I, I remember. I remember um, first seeing Jim Gallagher come out with a glove bag, a glove bag as well, and uh, it was just like, yeah, like as you say, I wonder what's in there. It's like, you know, special, special goalie secrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but um, I was going to say about it was actually probably about five years ago that I actually um, experienced this again myself. So I, I, I was playing Sunday league and I turned up and I'd forgotten my gloves and nobody had any gloves. So I actually started, and then this is mirroring this situation, so maybe this is what happened. So I turned up, no gloves, so I thought, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to just, um, I'm, you know, I used to be able to play without any gloves, so I'll, I'll try that again. So no much, I didn't have to deal with much, but then somebody, somebody turned up and they had a pair of um, gardening gloves in their car. So they actually gave me those and I put them on as well, and it was just like, this is what it used to be like. This is what it used to be like. You know, it's like just the the, the absolute deprivation. It's like no gloves and then wearing a pair of um. So maybe they were sort of builders' gloves actually, rather than gardening gloves. Um, but so it's so it was. If it actually felt a wee bit sort of emotional, without being too emotional, you know, sort of like oh, this is this is what it was like back in then. I, I think that would send me into complete panic if I, if I had no gloves and had to go and goal. That was like, you know, if you ever played Sunday League and maybe the goalie never turned up and someone had to go in, and it was like, I wouldn't mind going in, but I, I, I would avoid it at all costs because I knew there would be no gloves. Well, there'd always be a pair in the, the bag, though, that gets washed with a kit every time. And, Absolutely reeking. Yeah, or, and, and like solid. The, the, the foam <laughs> on them was solid, so... Yeah, you, there would always be a pair like that, and the fingers would be coming through and stuff. But it was still better than nothing. It was quite a leap, though, a technology leap, wasn't it? From the from those like the gloves that you described, which would have been yellow yellow fabric with a green yeah. uh, little dimpled bit stitched on, right? Mm -hmm. From that to to these yeah. real sport gloves, there must have been some in some sort of in betweeny because that's quite a big that's quite a big leap. And I rem and I remember those ones with a the, the early days ones, the stitching would come undone and the pa the little panels would like peel off and be, that was always, you knew you were on on the last legs when you we green bits came they've off. They've certainly come a long way because again, about those old gloves, all it was was an elasticated wrist as well. Whereas now you've got the double wraps and things like that. You've got, you know, finger saves and you've got um, inside, uh, the, the gloves I liked when I was playing last where you have actual um, sort of a foam rubbery type inside. So, you know, your hands don't slip and things like that. I mean, it's like, yeah, get a grip, come on, just just go out there and wear a pair of gloves and, you know, forget all about this stuff. But certainly the technology and, and just the thought process and the, you know, the science behind it all, it's like everything else has improved so much, but probably to a, to a different degree than, than boots. So boots have became like wafer thin, you mm. know, and, and it's like, it's all about the comfort of the wearer and stuff rather than the protection. And I still say that that's why when, when you see games nowadays and players just get clipped on their foot and they go down, you know, and, and writhing about in agony, I, I don't necessarily think they're not in agony. I just think they are in agony because the the, the, the thinness of the glove, uh, the, the, the boots, whereas the gloves have come the opposite sort of way, that they are all about protection. Although I've seen, I've seen these crap ones. Have you seen these ones nowadays where... Um, it's almost like a, a marigold or something like that. <laughs> what, like it's deliberately thin? Oh, I, I, I tell you what, it, it's, it's, it's like it's like if you were um, putting on a, a Spider-Man outfit and that would be the glove part of it. 
it's, it's that sort of thing. I'll, I will I will tweet. I'll find it to you earlier, later on and tweet it to you then. I feel like I need to go and look at modern day goalie gloves now because I've probably not seen a pair since about 1987. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, lo you're looking I'm... at um, um, Woodsy's there and going, oh, they're new, aren't they? Oh, they're, they're... I've never seen them before. But they're, they're um, flat palm by the looks of them. Right, okay, so we're on page seven here. I'm just jumping across. And listen, if anybody, as always, if anybody wants to stop me at any point that I miss things and wants to go through something, by all means do that. Well, I was, I was going to stop you um Aston Villa, Steve Hunt of Aston Villa there, just a couple of wee things about that, about yep. that shirt. Number one, he's got the sleeves rolled up properly, mm -hmm. like you would do with a work shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I really don't like that Aston Villa strip, because they had a couple of cracking strips early early 80s, and if for some reason they get rid of the crest and change it to just AVFC, uh, and I've never, I've never liked that strip, because they went from really stylish kits the Lecoq Sportif. I had that. I actually had that Lecoq Sportif Villa kit just purely based on it. It looked amazing, and I stumbled across a photograph in my, of myself in my in my garden with it on, and it was great. But I I, I kind of missed this. It's like this way they've gone there. I, I think like, I think possibly the answer to the question could be on the the kit maker there, Henson. Yeah, yeah I was say who the hell are they? <laughs> Maybe it's a workshop. <laughs> I'm up. But that is a, that's an interesting thing because I don't think that's a long sleeve top, is it? That's like that no, looks it looks like a short sleeve, sleeve top. He's kind of desperately trying to roll up. Maybe he's got a packet of fags like rolled up in there. Mm. But it, 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 has, it has been quite a meticulously done that roll up. I mean that yes, that, yeah. that sort of um, it's not just rolling up. Just it's, it's actually been looks as though it's been done, you know, nice and neatly. And well, he's 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 hair slicked back as well, so he's never done. I bet he smells lovely as well, doesn't he? I bet he, he does, like reeks of curos or something. Aye, I was. What is it? Is it? I was going to say he's got it in a ponytail, but I guess he he doesn't, right? This is like pre pony You would never get away with a ponytail in 1987, but you're right. I think it's it's like back. And I'm also wondering if maybe he's got the top band of his shorts rolled down because they look quite short. Those shorts, don't they? And he's nicely tucked in. But he's, yeah, he's well turned out. This guy. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so apart from the the kit itself, it's you know, he's he's made the most of it. I think we can say, hasn't he? You know, it's just like he's tried to make it his own, hasn't he? He's given it a few little flourish, <laughs> a wee flourish here. And... It's, it's, it's like it's like these TV shows you get where um, you got Gokwan and stuff coming on and just sprucing things up a little bit. Maybe that's what's happened here. Maybe it was his missus giving him a few <laughs> before you before you go out, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so page seven, I'm jumping to. Um, so this is club call, and it's for Stoke City. So there's a couple of club calls in this one, Stoke City and Sunderland. So we'll look at Stoke City first. So it says, we're on week 39 of Matches' exclusive guide to every league club and each first team player. As I say, Stoke City is this one. Um, so the current manager is Mick Mills, and there's a photograph of him up there. The record attendance, so it gives some stats about the club, and it says the record attendance is 51,380 versus Arsenal, and that was in Division 1 in March 1937. Now, they've also got the record victory is 10-3 against West Brom in Division 1 in February 1937, so I'm just wondering if those two are linked. You know, they win 10-3 in February, and then the same year, March, they get the record attendance, so maybe people 
were turning up thinking this was going to be you know mm. their season. Um, record defeat was against Preston, ten nil versus Preston back in Division One, September eighteen eighty nine. So I never understand why clubs put the record defeat on their list of like achievements. <laughs> <laughs> Something everybody does. I never understood why clubs do it. Well, and also it feels like I mean it's that long it's long enough ago that you could probably expunge that from the record, can't you? I mean it's really has it's not really relevant in that respect. So I thought I feel like there should be some some caveats around those sorts of stats. You know, mm. like record defeat in I don't know since 1970 or something would feel. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like especially way back then because I mean we can talk about this 35 nil a broth bon accord, yeah. Right, and a couple of the the articles I've read, one of them states that the invite for the cup it was a Scottish Cup, I think, and the invite was meant to go to the uh, Bon Accord football cricket. team, but it went to the cricket team. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and they just said, "Ah, well, let's play it," and so it was actually a football team versus a cricket team. <laughs> and it's like, well, you well, no, you you don't hear about that. You know? Did you know that on the same day that that game was played, just down the road in Dundee, there was a, th- uh, what was 34 nil 34 win. It was 30, 36 nil. 36 nil. Oh, 36, 30, yeah, 35. Yeah. Dundee Wanderers, wasn't it? Was it Dundee Hart or something? Yeah. Dundee Hart beat Aberdeen Rovers. Good. Aberdeen good teams were rubbish back then, weren't they? <laughs> That was probably the bowling team. And I wonder, like, I wonder if they got the same train back because the train from Dundee Aberdeen does pass through Arbroath. So they'd be like, "What are you guys looking so miserable about?" Or oh, you'll no, you'll no believe what just happened to us. <laughs> we we go beat thirty five now, or really oh, oh, hold my oh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, a bit of context for the the especially way back then would would be pretty useful. Uh, most cap player Gordon Banks now only thirty six caps. I thought you would have had more than that. Um, don't know if we can maybe check on that, Tom. But 36. is that with Stoke City? Possibly. Ah, good, good point. Good point. Good point. Well made. Yeah, we'll check on that anyway. Most league appearances by Eric Skills five hundred and six um, between nineteen fifty eight and nineteen seventy six. Blimey, that's a that's a good that's a good innings, that isn't it? It that feels like. That sounds like two different universes as well, doesn't it? Like <laughs> the, the 50s and nearly the 80s. So, so, so he, so he played back when life was black and white. Yeah, and it wasn't just the photo. The life was in, in through the, in the color. But do you know uh, what? What I find a little bit sad about is that that's the most league appearances for Stoke City. He's 18 years at the club, 500, and I'd never heard them before. And okay, mm. you, you, you know, you can't be expected to know about every club's top players and major players and stuff like that but you just think it's a bit you know the, it gets to this stage Eric Skeel's never heard him in my life but he's, he's you know that important a player or that important to the, the history of the club and I just mm. find a little bit sad about that Who would be um, the Clyde Bank equivalent? What would be Jim Fallon that's the uh, yeah. most appearances yeah I think so yeah who, pro- who probably means lots to everyone in Clyde Bank but yeah. I, I, I mean I, not I've never heard of him, so I suppose that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things I like about kind of the minutiae of football history is that it can mean so much to a small group of people and be absolutely meaningless to everybody else. And I, I love that the yeah. sort of you know this the specificness of that sort of stuff. Mm. So I think 
really appealing. Yeah, well, it's, it's like the cult heroes you get as well, which they maybe come in play four or five games and then they're off, and, and it's like it's, it's only meaningful to people maybe who were there for those games and watched it, or you know, it's so yeah, absolutely agree with agree with that point. And um, I'd also like to just talk about McMill's photo in here because he looks like a like either a nightclub comedian who does a bit of blue for the dads <laughs> or like a doorman and <laughs> it looks like he's away get out of my club yeah. I, I don't I, I can't recall ever seeing him without the moustache no is, um... no I didn't I'd completely forgotten or I'd never registered that he went on to manage Stoke I just remember him as a, as an Ipswich player really yeah. I, can see, I can see my panini stickers of him now hmm. Yeah, certainly Ipswich is where I think most days I'll remember them from. So um, there's a meet the players bit, so it goes through um, a lot of the players, and they will talk about them, but there's a, a nice wee photograph there of Lee Dixon. Not looking too different. He doesn't seem to have ever aged over the years, mm. Lee Dixon. He looks just as young as he does then. Um, so some of the players, so Steve Bold is mentioned in the team, Jerry Daly, Brian Talbot, and Lee Dixon is spoke mm. about there just some of the names that stand out um so on the photo on lee dixon it says played just four times for his first club burnley before spells with chester and Bury, joining stoke in the summer of 1986 so i think i remember reading about that that you know as i say four, four games for burnley and then he, i mean it went to chester but then he was um spotted just from that so on to bigger and better things after Stoke as well. Yeah? On to Arsenal. Was he part of the the Invincibles? Was he was he in that team? I think he was. Yeah. Not sure. And and also just reading through that, Mick Mills was obviously player manager as well because he's listed amongst the players. And yeah. to talk and talk about his Ipswich, five hundred ninety one games for Ipswich. Mm. Some going, isn't it? I mean, Brian Talbot there as well. Played 177 games for first club Ipswich before a £450,000 move to Arsenal when he made 254 league appearances. Yeah, another um, person with a long career there. So just uh, turning over the page, we're going to have a club call on Sunderland. And um, just um, on on that, uh, Tom and Alan Jack's uh, recommendation, I started watching the Sunderland Till I Die last night, Tom. And All right. it's, I have to say, it's absolutely not what I expected. Um, I don't know if you have you seen it, Paul. I have. I've, I've seen both series. Are you on series season two yet? I'm still. I've probably episode five of season one or something. But I saw. I sort of thought it would be like an academy thing, you know, following the players and a fly in the wall reality TV show. That's why I've I've sort of been staying clear of it. I've just thought, no, nah, listen, it doesn't. But after hearing recommendations from from Alan Jack and Tom there, I, I thought, yeah, I watched it last night, and yeah, it's it's really good. I really enjoy it. It is it is good. I mean, I, I kind of uh, when the first series was on, my club were under different ownership, and I kind of felt their pain a lot at that time. You know, mm. um, being a Sunderland fan's probably been pretty miserable for the past few years. Yeah. So. The club call here sent manager Bob Stoko, um, record attendance 75,118 versus Derby County in the FA Cup six round replay back in March 1933. It's a club club nickname, the Roker Rights. I've never heard that before. No. The Roker Rights. But the, um, I know 
in a few of the magazines um, from the like late sixties and stuff like that. The Kamarnock are referred to, in fact, even later than that, as the Killies. <laughs> but I, I know, I know there was a few Kamarnock fans that went, "Oh, we've never been called that." But there was a few other ones that said, "Yep, that's what they used to be called." So it's just strange how nicknames do change a little bit. I mean, it may well be the Roka rights. Every Sunderland fan will say, "No, absolutely, that's that's what we're, we're known as." But I've just never heard it. Yeah, there's. Um, I was tuning into a chat about this on one of the football forums that I lurk on, and um, it was, you know, so, like exactly as you just said, Andy. There was like one group of people saying, "Yep, yeah, that's what we've been called," and when I was kids, and other people saying, "No, I never heard of that." And I guess it's that's the nature of a nickname is it's not official, you know. So there's no yeah. probably no defined, you know, making it making it official feels like a branding exercise, doesn't it? And like. Yeah. Well, the one guy, one guy who used to shout it has kind of passed away, and so nobody, yeah. nobody shouts it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, the, you know, the Rokerites quite a, um, a reflection on modern football, I suppose that uh, they couldn't be called that now, right? And like most teams, lots or mm. most teams, if the, if their nickname was associated with their ground, a lot of them would have moved on from that just through modern football and you know stadium building and stuff. Mm. So. But, but again, you know, you say about, I mean, obviously they've moved from Roker Park and, you know, we, we know about that. But, you know, say, say, for example, that happened in the early 1900s and then now people could be saying, and, and the example I'm going to give here is Dunfermline, and the pars, it's like there's still not a definitive agreement on where the pars come from. Mm. So, you know, it could well be that, you know, in a in hundred years' time, and I know this isn't going to be the case with this, it's a bad example, but, you know, people could be saying, what, why would they ever, why, if, if they were still called the Rokerites, why would they ever call the Rokerites? Yeah. I say, I don't know. I don't know, let's try and find out. So maybe, you know, I, I, I sort of know what my point is here, but, yeah, it's not yeah, a great social, social history, I suppose, that, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's all um, where, those, hmm. where those nicknames come from. Yeah. So on to the record victory. So 11-1 versus Fairfield in the FA Cup first round, 1894-95. So similarly, can we can we ignore this as well in the same way as we ignore the record defeats way back then? Can we maybe ignore this against a team who have probably been defunct for, for the best part of 100 years? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like... Um... Have you have you guys been watching the English game on Netflix about this? That, yeah. yeah, it's not brilliant. I've got to say, but it's interesting because you know, if you're a football fan, you, you want to watch it. But it's uh, Fairfield sound like they you know they're from that era, don't they? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. a bunch of boys that were working on the looms until three <laughs> o'clock on Saturday, <laughs> and then pulling yeah. their tacky boots on for a kicking a pig's bladder around. <laughs> yeah, the record defeat though that we've got two here. Um, it's the same result, 8-0 versus West Ham in Division 1, October 1968, so more recent. But also against Watford in Division 1, September 1982. So that one, obviously, a lot more recent, again, five years previous to the magazine. I feel like Sunderland must have taken more than eight goals off of someone since this magazine was published as well. Mm -hmm. oh, with, you know, with, probably without a doubt that um, that's the case. Um, i try to think. No. Can't think any. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, it sort of puts you in. Um, I was thinking about the uh, Leicester beat Southampton, didn't they? Was that 
earlier this season, I think, 9 nothing, right? Yeah. So I wonder if that's now Southampton's record defeat. I mean, maybe that's like you're happy for your record defeat to be way back in 18. If it's this season, it's quite a sore one. Top league scorer, I thought I'd point this one out, Charles Buchan. Um, 209 from 1911 to 1925. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure, certainly through the stuff I post online, you've probably have heard of Charles Buchan. There was a Charles Buchan's Football Monthly magazine, um, which ran for a, a huge, quite a large number of years. Sunderland's top league scorer at the time. I'm assuming maybe Kevin Phillips or something might be better than that now. You have a quick check on the top scorer, Tom? Well, I think David Halliday, I'm sure, is still about the third top scorer uh, of all time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's Sunderland. Um, David Halliday was a guy who scored goals for fun in that era, yet never got a, Scot- never got a Scotland cap. Halliday played in that era where, uh, Scott, if you played out of Scotland, you never got a ch- much of a chance of a Scotland cap. Yeah. So English-based players weren't getting much of a look in. Mm. And obviously less games, no substitutes kind of thing. So... No, I'm. I'm. I'll, I'll be. I'll be here all day scanning down for for records. But, uh... <laughs> all right. At this point, Charles Buckingham, two hundred and nine. Most league appearances: Jim Montgomery, five hundred and thirty-seven from nineteen sixty-two to nineteen seventy-seven. And unsurprisingly, Jim Montgomery was a goalkeeper, as you would expect. They're the sort of players who quite often, be, you know, do have the most appearances for for teams. Um, meet the players. So just some of the ones names to pick out: George Burley. Is in there. Eric Gates and Frank Gray are just the pick of the bunch that I've picked out. I don't know if anybody's seen anything, any other names in there. No, well, uh, it's literally a name, Ruben Agbula. That's a fantastic name. It's a great name, isn't it? Began his career at Southampton before £150,000 move to Roker Park in early 1985. Played 20 league games for the club at the start of 86-87, but it is a great name, yeah. And there's also a photo here, or the, fo- the photo box is Ian Hesford, who is also sporting a very 80s moustache. <laughs> well, I'm guessing he's probably about 18 in that picture. Yeah. A, there's, a great, there's a great Twitter account um, called 80s Footballers Aging Badly. Do you have either yeah, of you yeah, yeah. That? Yeah. He's got um, Jim Gallagher as his profile. That's right. That's right. But he, um, imagining Ian might have make it, you know, give him another five years, and I think he would definitely be in there. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Going to say, is that Alan Kennedy's in there as well, the Liverpool European Cup winner? Oh yeah, Frank Gray. Yeah, another European Cup winner, Frank Gray. Uh, page, page nine here is just a, it's a full page colour photo, Charlie Nicholas, in his Arsenal strip. Now I'm just thinking the the, the picture seems to be from a warm up, given that it looks as though Charlie's just kicked a ball. Um, towards goal or something, but in the background there's another ball floating about as well, and it's just a general, there's just a general feeling to it that this is part of a warm up. This is another great kit he's got on there. I think that's kind of goes straight into the classic kits um, locker for me, and I think mm-hmm. that's this is the one that their Arsenal's current kit is modelled on, right? It's quite, it's quite, um, they've got quite a retro look to it, which the fans seem to like. Definitely notable about this pit. Three three things that jump out here for me are. The shortness of the shorts, they are, yeah. I mean, they are right up his bum in this photo. <laughs> they split up the side as well. Yeah. yeah. 
I've, um, I've just actually thought about this. The split is probably so they can get them as short as possible, but still allow them a wee bit, a a wee bit shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could we get these shorts to be even shorter? But there's that, and then there's the socks, which, which are terribly unkempt. I, I, I don't know if there's, they don't know if it's New York or New Year. He mm. needs to sort that out. Maybe, maybe though, if this is pre game, he's not wearing shin pads, yeah. which I guess, I guess it's the era of not having to wear shin pads, but maybe he's just warm up. And also, the tongue of his boot. Is it's like he's not done the top eye on the laces up, and he, the tongue is really hanging out and folding over, which I remember really well. And I'm yeah. not quite sure, you're not quite sure what that brought to your game, having a big, massive, <laughs> flappy tongue. But it was a definite thing, wasn't it? Well, my my, my thoughts on that has always been that because when you tie your your laces, there's that that um, lumpy, bit. lumpy bit, and what that does is it it sort of you know if you kick on that, it can be a little bit sore. Um, but what, what I want to and I never knew about this until I, I saw this photograph. The shorts have pinstripes on them. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, cool. Which is, uh, I, I just don't think I knew about that. I don't really remember other shorts having pinstripes. But yeah, it's a JVC top. It's Adidas as well. It's a V-neck on it as well. I mean, as it's a, it's, it's, it's great because it's not one. Of, I mean, the nineties for me was the worst. 90s and maybe early two thousands was the worst for for football strips. They were just big boxy you know there was no shape to them and they were huge i mean you look at some of the photographs of people and even people who aren't small are just you know it's hanging off them there's just so much material on it but, mm. but back then obviously talking about the shorts are certainly it's not as if they're going out out on the limb with material and, and those things um but yeah I, I i do think i do think because if you look at the the standing leg through the the socks, you can actually see through them. It looks as though he's maybe got a, a shin guard um, holder in there. So oh yeah. But being the warm up, um, it could well be that he's he's just got them loose, and he he'll put his shin guards in as well. Um, well, well, Charlie, Charlie Nicholas claimed to be the first player to wear shin guards on his calves, because he said he used to get kicked in the back of his legs, uh -huh. so he he'd shin guards on the, on the back of his legs as well. Mm. He's obviously he's very Bono as well, isn't he? That's like. <laughs> That is Bono at his place. Bono was very Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is 1987, though, so that would be Joshua Tree, you two. And I think Bono had moved on from that here by then. Yeah, he was, He was. this is my 85 Bono hairstyle Charlie's got here. But maybe the photo's not up to date. Mm. It, might be, uh, it might not be up to date, but yeah. I'm just wondering in these, um, the arm that he's got behind him, I don't know if it's just his son or something, but is he holding something? Mm, this little, I don't know. I just noticed that there. So I don't know if he's maybe got a, you know... Shin guard. <laughs> yeah, it could be the shin guards. He's goalie bag. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, maybe, it's, yeah, it's a brush, isn't it? It's a brush that he's got. <laughs> so Charlie there, Charlie's our darling, indeed. Over the page, so there's a, there's a, you know, there's three or four pages here in a row, three pages in a row, full full page, colour photographs, and if you'll notice, every one of them's a Scottish, a Scottish, Scottish yeah. player as well. So the next one... Kenny Dalglish. In fact, sorry, now, now I've seen this one because there's an Arsenal player in the background. The other thing I want to mention about the Charlie one is the white socks. Yeah. Which is not the usual colour for Arsenal socks, is it? No. So, but if you look at the Arsenal player in the background of that picture of Charlie, he's, he's got red socks on. Oh, that's what he does, yeah. Ah, the plot thins. I know, someone get Charlie on the phone. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so maybe maybe those are warm up socks. Maybe that's why he's not tied up his shoe. Let's see. This is the whole story's coming together now. It's, 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 um, this must be Champagne Charlie peak Champagne Charlie years as well. Nineteen eighty seven. When he, I guess, when did he go to when did he go to Arsenal? What year did he move there? Was it eighty three? Right. Okay. Somebody. So, so because uh, actually, I was thinking, I was wondering when I saw the so the next page is Kenny Dalglish, and I was wondering was this this because there's an, a national player in the background there, and I was wondering maybe that was the same game as his Charlie, and then I thought, well, no, Charlie's got different socks on, but now Tom, you've pointed out the Arsenal player in the background of the Charlie Nicholas has red socks. Maybe it could well be they came out with white and realised that. That Liverpool had white. Why would you wear warm-up socks and have your game jersey on? I don't know. I don't know. But maybe, maybe what's happened is they all came out with white, or and then they realised <laughs> they realised that the Liverpool just 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 go with me in this. So yeah. so they realised that oh hold on Liverpool are wearing white and so the other ones go in and get changed. But Charlie's still out there warming up, oblivious because he can't hear because you all the hair over his ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got his walk. Maybe he's, he's holding his Walkman in his hand, <laughs> and he's listening to you too. Yeah. And he can't. That's why he can't hear. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking for the big, um, the big orange um, spongy things over the years. Is the headphones? <laughs> but no. So actually, I mean, let, let's look at the Kenny Dalglish one. So th- this looks as though it's it's taken during the game. Yeah. So that's the that's the League Cup final, the Little Woods Cup final that Arsenal. Yeah. Beat Liverpool two one in. Right, and, and how do we know that? Because it says it rounds the Adidas crest mm. on the mm. Liverpool shirt. Yeah, you can see it says Liverpool's Cup final Wembley, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, so so the you've got the Liverpool on one side, um, and then the Adidas, which is again it's a little bit strange that you have that round the the kit makers um, logo <laughs> rather than the badge itself. It's normally been round the badge. Um, yeah, it's a crown paint. It's a, it's a white kit. And you know it's white kit with red. Um, the interesting thing is that the it's umbros we say, but the umbro stripes are only on the shoulders. Adidas. 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 Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Adidas. The the Adidas stripes are only on the the shoulders, which I thought was because they they did that quite. Re- I mean, they st- I think they still do that in their kits at the moment, didn't they? But I thought it was only a recent thing. Normally, it was just. The, the, the stripes would go all the way down to the to the cuffs, but I just think that's a wee bit unusual for the time. Black shorts, which again I thought I think it was unusual colour wise. You'd expect it to be red shorts or something with that, but the black works fine with it. Uh, white white socks with um, the red stripes on the top as well, and they might have dealt a ball. Now it looks as though Kenny's got that ball under control, isn't he? That's that's yeah. that's glued to his feet by the looks of it. He looks so young, doesn't he? Mm. In that photo, I suppose he, he probably was. But um... I think I think he's uh, that's the thing with, with Kenny. Kenny's always looked, you know, quite baby faceish. I think I think he's always looked quite young and quite sort of fresh, and he's always had, you know, quite rosy cheeks and things like that. Which oppish hair. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. So that's another uh, great um, action photo there. Um, over the page we have Ray Houghton of Oxford United. Um, so Ray's crouched down in one knee and he's got his hand on the Adidas Tangle Ball which looks as though it's seen a little bit of action um, and it says the official FIFA World Cup design um, now he's wearing Adidas boots um, with red studs I mean you can see the red studs at the back possibly even with 
black studs on the the heel part. Yeah, um, I seem to. Is that not? Um, that's how you you differentiated the your back studs from your front ones, right? They were just came in different colours, so you, you knew if it was black, it was a wee bit longer, and it went in the heel and not the forefoot. All right, I'd I'd never known that. I just you could tell the difference with the sizes. It's like the shorter ones go in the front and the larger. I'd I'd never. I mean, that could well have been a thing. I don't know if it's standard with every with everything, but I don't know. Maybe it's just like a little branding affectation. I mean, they are they are beautiful boots. I have to I have to say that, but I I don't know what kind they are. I mean, I know they're Adidas, but because those sort of boots were normally like the the logo on the tongue would normally have just been white, and yeah. and and then the heel bit as well would have just been black and white as well. So I, I don't know which kind those are, but I would love a pair. Yeah, they look good, don't they? Mm. Good, good. Um, I like that Oxford kit as well. It's uh, sort of classically 80s. And funnily enough, I'm talking to you on my Wang computer right this minute. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> so, so, so for the for the sake of the listeners, this is um, the Oxford um, sponsor is Wang Computers, which is. Quite a, a, it's been a source of giggles ever since then, I guess, really, hasn't it? Uh, I don't remember, I don't recall ever hearing of Wang computers in my life before, I have to say. <laughs> but the, uh, interestingly, the badge there, it looks like it's yeah. just a big bull or a... An ox. Oh, is it an ox? Of course it's an ox. Of course it's an ox. <laughs> that, makes, that makes perfect sense. Is it an umbro kit? Yellow top? Blue shorts, um, blue socks with yellow diamonds around the top, which is just beautiful again. Quite short sleeves with a, a, a blue band around it as well. And that, that sort of pinstripe, it's a quite a thick pinstripe um, along the shoulders as well. Quite classic for Umbro of the time. But he's also, interestingly, wearing his wedding ring. So I don't think this is match day. I think this is probably just a, a photo shoot. Oh, his hair's, his hair's also slight, a bit... Sort of in the Charlie Nicholas vein, isn't it? But yeah. slightly smarter, less fashionable, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> on to page twelve, and we're in we're in your territory here, Paul. Oh, that's what we're here for. So the private life of Dundee United's Paul Hegarty. What a guy! Yeah. So I'm just going to pick out a couple of the. So this this is basically matches equivalent of shoots focus on. So I'm just going to pick out some of the, the items from it and we'll go through a few more as well. Full name, Paul Anthony Hegarty. Married, yes, to Linda. Children, three. Paul, eight. Mark, six. And Christopher, two. Favourite article of clothing and why? A suit, collar and tie because I like to be smart. Uh, most famous friend outside of football, my brother Kevin. That's a good one. Subject hated at school, maths. I couldn't understand it. And it says, what would you do if you were invisible for a day? Say, so go into a jockey's weighing room and get all the inside tips. <laughs> oh, how things have changed. How many O-levels did you get? Five, English, maths, economics, secretarial studies and modern studies. So, oh, despite, despite his dislike of maths, he still managed to exactly. get his... Exactly, yeah. He, he, he's obviously done not too bad. But secretarial studies was a bit of a, an unusual one. What, if anything, frightens you? Oh, this is my favourite. What, if anything, frightens you? Nuclear war. Because that was that was a real concern back yeah. then. Um, what don't you like about yourself? And he says, I'd like to be more handy about the home. Do you have any hobbies? Yes. Golf and walking the dog. 
if you were competing in Mastermind, what would your specialist subject be? He says, Geography. And I'm wondering, well, why didn't he take Geography as one of his O-levels? Which, which other sportsman would you like to be and why? And he says, Seve Ballesteros, a genius on the golf course. Quite right. Do you have any recurring dreams? He says, yes, Dundee United winning the UEFA Cup. <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is like, I know I know they were in the UEFA Cup at this point and things as well, but I just thought, well, why, why wouldn't your dreams be about winning the European Cup? You know? Unless well, he's, he's trying to make it, yeah, well, I want my dreams to be attainable. You know, so... So the photo on the page shows Paul in the VG sponsor kit and he's looking yeah. very determined and it does look as though he's taken a bit of a whack on his nose at some point in the game. And again, Andy, just like you were saying, the, the Adidas stripes are just on the shoulder. Yeah. Good observation. Yeah, well spotted. So I guess it must have been the that season's thing. So talk to me about Paul Hegarty. What a guy. Well, you, you've, you like to say, taken one on the nose. Um, and I think he was the sort of player you would say put his head in you know he's the sort of guy to put his head in where where it could get hurt it's just I mean he is if you're to canvas a hundred Dundee United fans and ask them who their favourite ever player was he would be right up there you know him and or Paul Sturrock I think would Dave Nery would be the three yeah. sort of and what a partnership he had with um, with Dave Nery at the back as well like that was United at their absolute peak I remember playing when I was playing boys football being maybe 13 or 14 and playing in somewhere like Money Feath or Kearney Street and I turned around and Paul Hegarty was standing behind the goal watching the game with his dog on a Sunday morning and I went all wobbly and so oh, I hope the ball doesn't come near me so I don't fuck it up <laughs> Paul Hegarty's watching yeah. so there's a game at, um, when I was at university there was a friendly game we played against the United youth team I think it was but it was like Duncan Ferguson and um, oh. Andy McLaren and all these players were in it and it was Heggs that went and went and brought them down. Um, I think it. I think it maybe ended up nil nil. Um, so I, I was pretty pleased. Pretty pleased That's by you know keeping. It was either nil nil or one nil to them, and it it's probably one nil now. I think about it. But I, I, I was pretty pleased with that. You know, even at the time there was all this buzz about Duncan Ferguson, Duncan Ferguson. Um, but there was quite a few other players who then went on to, you know, do really well. But I, I remember chatting to. Paul after the game and yeah very good man I'm just going to have a quick look at his profile so born July 1954 so he's 65 at the moment in Edinburgh in Scotland he started off at Hamilton Ackies and from 72 to 74 he played 81 league games and scored 22 goals and which is not a bad return um, for a defender he moved to Dundee United in 1974 and he was there playing until 1990 played 493 league games, scoring 52 goals. Played 14 league games for St. Johnson in 1990 before moving to Forfar, where he became player-manager between 90 and 92. And he played 40 goal, forty games there, scoring one goal. He's got one Scottish League 11 appearance and eight uh, full Scottish caps between 79 and 83. And his managerial career took him from Forfar to a short spell at Aberdeen. Dundee United... Livingston and Montrose more recently 2015-2016 and he was, si he was signed from Hamilton for 27,500 in November 1974 As a striker I think Yeah I was, I, I was just about that That probably explains why um, he had those goals but yeah I was just about to say I'm sure that was the thing that pretty quickly Jim McLean would have changed his position yeah. to, to a more defensive uh, He captained the Scottish side on his final cap 
against Northern Ireland. So, you know, eight caps, and he he's given the captaincy on his final cap. So I think that that says a lot about what how how what we thought of. You know that you know maybe he didn't get a great number of caps, but I think know. because because of McLeish and Miller really had that those positions locked in, didn't they? He's, he just at an ear where there was other great players in his in his position. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a couple of there are a couple of really great Scotland photos of Paul Hegarty. One, because I'm sure I'm right in thinking that Maradona's um, Argentina debut was against Scotland at Hamden. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great photo of Maradona uh, with Hegarty trying to mark him or putting in a tackle of something. It's kind of the iconic picture of that match of Maradona and Hegarty is the player he's up against. Yeah. Um, and there's also a really good Scotland photo where there's. I think there's five United players in the lineup. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, I remember, I remember at the time the thrill of seeing a Scotland team announcement because it was always packed with, with, uh, with United players. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was, yeah, it always seemed to be that at that period there were quite a few in there. And this was what was the cover date on this magazine, Andy? Was at the beginning of May '87. Ninth of May. Ninth of May. Right. So the so that I think that was the month of. Uh, the UEFA Cup finals in mm, later in May '87. I'd have to check the date, so that's, that's probably why he's, he knows he's on his way to that UEFA yeah. Cup final. Maybe that's why he's coming. He's dreaming about it, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So just on his um, honours and achievements. So as player at Dundee United, he won the Premier Division '82-'83, won the Scottish League Cup twice '78-'79 and '79-'80. Um, with St Johnson, they won the the First Division back in 1989-1990. And as manager at Montrose, he won the Scottish League Two playoffs in 2014-15 to prevent relegation to the non-league. Um, oh. So for that, so at, th- at this point, what we're going to do? So we've just done Paul Hegarty's um, profile and um, focus there. So we're going to turn it on to you, Paul, um, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Um, you can choose not to answer, as we always say to people. But th- there's nothing in there's nothing tricky in here. Okay. Um, so we'll go through them. Full name. Paul Martin Smernitsky. Birthplace. Dundee. First car. Uh, first car was a Fiat Uno, I think. Yeah, Fiat. I'd say Fiat Uno. Okay. Who's your favourite player? I would probably say Dave Nay, David Nay, of Dundee in Scotland. Okay. Who's your favourite favourite football team? Well. Dundee United. <laughs> What's your most memorable match? Uh, to play in or as an attendee? Either. either. Um, to The favourite match I've ever been to would be the day Dundee United won the league at Dens, um, which I know there with my dad and my brother. And I played, uh, like yourself, played you know football until relatively recently and uh, with the team that I played in London, we won a divisional cup or a league cup rather, and uh, that was just a great day. And one of them, I think, one to one to tell my wee boy about. All right, brilliant. What's been your biggest thrill in your life? Oh, uh, biggest thrill in my life. Well, I'd probably be boring and say having having kids. Hmm. You know, I'd get a huge amount of enjoyment from my kids. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a perfectly fine answer. That. What's been your biggest disappointment? Um, my biggest disappointment would be. 
Do you know? I don't. I, I really don't think I've got a memorable one. I've been pretty. I've been pretty lucky. Minor disappointments that are not on the don't move the Richter scale of life. So you yeah, know, yeah. nothing that jumps out. Okay. What's the best country that you've visited? Oh, Australia. I think spent a lot of time in Australia. When was when was the last time you were there? Uh, not for many years, but I lived there for about a year, nearly a year and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and that's where I met my wife, although she's not Australian. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, still got lots of friends there. Okay. What's your favourite food? Tandoori chicken, hands down, closely followed by pizza. Okay. What about a tandoori chicken pizza? Oh, Andy, <laughs> I've never thought of that. Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's what I'm having for tea tonight. <laughs> okay. Miscellaneous likes. So just give me two things that you like to do. Uh, I like guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like uh, right, cycling. Proper serious cycling. Cycling. Okay. Miscellaneous dislikes. So a couple of things that you hate. Celery. Uh, and uh, celery and... Uh, hangovers. Selling and hangovers. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, let you know at this point. I've not had a hangover in over ten years. Oh, that's great. I've got a mild one this morning. Yeah. I find, I find, I think this isolation business is not, uh, is not helpful when it mm. comes to alcohol. But mm. I, wish I could say the same, Andy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. It's not as if I'm proud or gloating about it, but you know. Why is, why is that just because you you're not drinking no no I'm, I'm drinking um i put it down to so over over 10 years ago i was um i was actually i, I went in the hospital with um, high blood pressure and it was really high it was like um 240 over 160 at the point and it was um you know quite serious and since then i've been on tablets every day and i'm perfectly fine but ever since then i've not even had a single headache never mind wow. a hangover so get your cell on blood blood pressure tablets that's, that's my advice to you uh, it's healthy yeah. um favorite tv show um flip you know it sort of changes depending on what's on i like lots of like uh real like true crime documentaries netflix style but i also like uh been watching ozark and i really like that the new mm-hmm. series is really good yeah i've been watching that as well um favorite singers Christ, this, this could be a whole podcast yeah, yeah. It's, it's on, eh? Yeah, well, I'm a big U2 fan, so I'll go with Bono just because we've already um, we've, because we've had Charlie Nicholas on. Okay. Um, Favourite actors? Uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to if that question were asked in 1987, favourite yeah. actor, almost everyone would give you a male and not mm. a female um, so, to that. Scarlett Johansson, yeah, we're going with that. Yeah. On. Who's your best friend? I've got two. I've got um, my friend Joe, who is a music biz pal and I speak to every day, and my other friend is a guy called Brian, who is a Glaswegian, huge Celtic fan, and uh, uh, another pal that I made when I lived in London, and uh, we have great football chat. Good stuff. Who's been the biggest influence in your life? Well, I'd probably say my dad. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, my dad. Yeah. Okay. Which person in the world would you most like to meet? Well, actually, I thought of this the other day. Um, 
I'll choose someone who's who's dead, and I'm going to say Steve McQueen because I was watching the thing that was on BBC about the making of the Le Mans movie, and he just seems like a right character, right character with a lot to say. So, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Okay. So that's the end of the focus on, or since we're doing match, the private life of Paul <laughs> Smirnitsky. I know that's very private, really, is it? <laughs> I told you, you know, it wasn't going to be any tricky ones. So we're going to have a look at the CelticMatchDay.com website and it's the sponsors of Shoot the Breeze. And if you go there, it's, it's a bunch of free scanned-in programmes um, for lots of different years. And that obviously CelticMatchDay.com means it's it's Celtic programmes, but it's home and away. And as we always say, you know, the, the content is there for non-Celtic fans as well. So you don't have to be a Celtic fan to enjoy this. And the example... We're going to have a quick look through one just now. And the one I've picked out, Tom, is from 1986. And it's Motherwell versus Celtic. And it's from the 13th of August, 1986. So if you let me know when you've got that up. Yeah, I've got that up. Yeah, looking at the cover, an aerial shot of Motherwell's first part. And uh, in the, the Motherwell name there in the O, there's a no smoking yep. sign. Um, if, and it's a fine, fair league as well. And it says the centenary season official program fifty pence. Uh, if we go inside the first page, there full page. Um, it's a sponsor, and it's obviously it's quite iconic when it comes to Millwall. It's Ian Skelly, and it says the quickest way to Hamden, and it's just a Motherwell shirt with a set of car keys on it, and some football boots as well. Yeah, well, it's just a classic Motherwell, Motherwell strip there uh, with that claret and claret and amber, but with the, the uh, claret bar running across the centre of the shop. Yeah. So as we go through, there's all the you you know um, details from the the manager, a notice board with bits and pieces of news. There's a couple of pages of that an action replay, which is looking back in previous Celtic games. And then into the, the centre pages, we've got, oh, who have we got there? Today's lineups um, for Motherwell. On the right-hand side, we have a Mustachio Gordon Mayer. And we've spoke about Gordon a few times on the podcast. Here's a, here's a Motherwell team group. Chris McCart, Stephen Kirk, Ali Maxwell, Fraser Wishart. Some legendary Motherwell names in there. Yeah. So there's, there's quite a lot. There's, there's quite a few car uh, ads in this one so the new Peugeot 309 for McDonald Motors Limited and then in the back page they have Catney Nissan together we don't half work is the is the, the strap line there so as we say yep yeah, go through CelticMatchDay.com website it's absolutely free just go on there look at all the old uh, programs from 50s onwards it's been added to all the time. Uh, Celtic underscore match day on Twitter as well. So absolutely, go check them out. Have a wee look. There's lots of nostalgia in there. Lots of interesting photographs, stories. Celticmatchday.com. So, so talk talk to us about um, what you, what you're doing at the moment, Paul. So in terms of um, heights and a few other yeah. bands that you're you're looking after. Well, what what I do now is I manage artists. Um, you know, I realised the the business that you referenced before with my friend Gordon. I realised that just wasn't really the world for me. Kind of agency and brands and chasing people for invoices that they never want to pay you. And 
really the only thing I know much about apart from old football is music. So mm. I manage a number of artists, a band called Heights, who are signed to Warner Records. We have a single coming out in a couple of weeks, and that's really exciting because the, the, the whole vibe around that is really feels really hot. Uh, and a girl, I also look after a girl who's an actress called Jessie. In fact, she changed my favourite actor answer to Jessie Buckley. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, you might know her from, um, she was in Chernobyl and she was in a great movie about a country and western singer called Wild Rose. Rose. That's right, yeah. Uh, so I look after her for all for her music because she sort of writes songs and working on that. And then a couple of other wee things. And I've got. Uh, a great wee band from Edinburgh called Swim School that people seem to really like. Uh, and another thing in the pipeline that I'm hoping comes off uh, that I'll tip. You can ask me about it the next time we speak. Uh, okay. Uh, don't want to jinx it. But yeah, I'm so manage artists is the short answer. Um, and so far, so good. Mm. So the on heights, the, the view from a terrace thing just really blew up that, didn't it? it yeah, and... Uh, I mean, we're very grateful for it, but uh, it's brought, you know, there's a, there's a bit of an audience that are just there for just there for that. And uh, mm. surprisingly, the band announced that they were going to sing it on the last tour. Yeah. Uh, but it just got quite rowdy quite quickly, so it only la- <laughs> only lasted for one show. Mm. And then they played they played in Dundee, and there was a bunch of guys. You know, they finished their set, and then um, a bunch of guys like accosted them as soon as they came off the stage. We we drove here from Peter Heath just to hear the thistle song. <laughs> so the band, so the, they just did it like privately for them in the in the dressing room. But yeah, it's weird that yeah. thistle because it it will go away and then it flares back up again. Yeah. Um, so so just for, just for a bit of context here, then they were on their view from the terrace and they were singing T H I S T L E and single of D I V O R C. So and it's I I. To be honest, I, I absolutely—I said to you at the time—I absolutely loved it as well. I just—I lo- I loved the the energy of the band. I just, you know, everything. Well, the back—the backstory to that is um, that there'd been a number of artists doing that slot. It was not—it was in the first series, series one, and um, you know they'd all be great, really great artists. But it was a lot. It was very similar. Like typically, it was like a beardy, a beardy guy with an acoustic guitar being great, sort of heartfelt. So when they got asked to do it, they're they just said we're just going to be as ridiculous and silly as possible. In fact, they might even pick us off and tell us to stop taking the piss. But <laughs> they're brilliant. I mean, that's that. They're very, they're great fun. Those boys, you know. So everything yeah. that they do, they do it with like gusto. But um, I think, I think on the day of the filming, the even the crew and this, you know, the the program team were quite st- quite staggered <laughs> by it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a, a wee gift that keeps on giving. And uh, also um, to segue, Andy. Uh, into uh, Scott's Footy Cards territory, you did some great um, heights football cards for us as <laughs> yeah. well, which we've which we've got on the wall somewhere. Right, good stuff. Yeah, so yeah, did a couple of the tops, the That's... yellow back cards of them as well, which was quite fun to do. I did ones for the the boys in the um, view from the terrace as well. They did say they were going to put that up in the wall, but they never did. They never did. Uh, <laughs> I want it back. Give me them back. <laughs> but, it's yeah. a good, it's a good. It's a bit of a breath of fresh air that program, I think, for football, isn't it? And it seems to have been very well received by, uh, you know, other footbally people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it, I think it sort of seeped a bit into England as well. Um, and some people watch it and just go, "We wish we had something like this down here." Um, so I mean, absolutely well done to the guys. They've 
you know, it's certainly something I think we've needed. And even, you know, go, going by what I do myself on Twitter, I try and, you know, it's obvious there's going to be more Rangers and Celtic content and magazines and things like that, but I try and cover as many other teams as I can. I mean, if, if, if I can find a an abroth or a cow and beef thing, I would rather post that ahead of anything else, you know, because, you know, it's like said, being a Clyde Bank supporter, you, you, you were fed scraps of um, media yeah. growing up. Um, so it was like whenever you got anything, you would you would really just you know jump on it, and it's like even just a mention in an article, you're like yeah, we're mentioning us. So I'm sort of of that that ilk with this as well. That it's about, I mean that's that's why I also like to when we're doing these podcasts, if I can find little um, connections to to the you know the the and I always hate saying this, the smaller teams, the the weird teams, then you know I like to sort of bring that out as well. I think it's um. You know, for supporters of bigger teams, I sometimes think that they miss out on a lot from that. You know, I think be, just, you know, you might support uh, Real Madrid. If you're a Real Madrid supporter, you know, you're supporting one of the biggest teams in the world and you'll, you'll love them to bits. But I think quite often supporters of those big clubs think that somehow that, that deepness of feeling doesn't exist mm. with smaller teams. You know, it's like yeah. somehow the passion for it is, you know, related to the size of the club. And then, um, you know, I just I think there's something amazing about guys that go like be, with United being in the Championship. I've quite enjoyed visiting a lot a lot of things that I would you know I'd never previously been to. Mm-hmm. Like talking about our growth, you know, you see this boys that's, that's probably stood in the same spot for thirty years, and it's but a wee bit of a time warp. But um, I just I love that about sort of local football, I suppose. And I also think you should support the team that you, from the place that you're from as well. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not. 100% on that I, I think you should support the team that you have a connection with and things well, yeah, like that. but, that's, but that's, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with you know giving support to a local team and that. like so if I'm down here in Yorkshire and you know Bradford or Leeds or whatever then you know if I can I will go, I will go to one of the local teams and support mm-hmm. them but you know it won't be the team I support but you know I'll still go there and you know give them my money and things like that so yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I have a little bit of a, a, a difference in opinion on that, but I, I, I do get where you're coming from. Okay, listen, we'll jump back into the magazine. We're on page 14, and this is Match Shop Reader's Offers. So what I have, have noticed from some of the Match magazines from this sort of period is that they are they are beginning to ramp up the, the adverts not for other companies but for themselves so they are they're obviously trying to sell a lot of merch and things like that and there's a few here which are quite quite um special so the first one we're going to look at is a sportsman's solar fm radio visor so there's a lot to take in there this is amazing (laughs) this is an amazing item it's basically a swiss army knife um, that you wear isn't it um so so this is this is it's got a photograph of it and it's a um, it's a visor, and on the top of that, there's a radio, and the top of that is an antenna, and it's solar powered, so there's, there's solar panels on it as well, and I think there's earphones attached to the the cap on either side as well. So it's it, it, again, it, you know, I've seen about the Swiss Army, like, but it's almost like the one man band thing. You know, <laughs> that, it's it's it says it's a solar powered radio visor with telescopic aerial and adjustable earphones. 
solar panels on the top of the visor converts light into electricity and it's got and it also has a complete fm band i love that it's like oh solar power's so new that we're going to tell you how it works <laughs> it takes the light and it converts it into electricity but um i you're going to get neck problems wearing that for any length of time. It looks completely impractical, doesn't it? And also, I like the line in the description. It says, um, ideal for all sports events, holiday, cycling, fishing. Just lay about and relax. Complete freedom. No batteries required. Yeah, just lays about. And, oh, my, my neck. Oh, my neck is... Uh, can't you, you'd have to take it off and just hold it that way. It's, 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 it's a thing. Eh? It's, a, it's a special, special thing. that I, I, You know, just for the, the whole ickiness factor of it, I would love to get get one and just see how rubbish oh, yeah. it is in your life so the next one the football calculator so this is this is that that method of taking an ordinary item and just you know turning it into the shape of a football with the, the style of a football and then calling it a football calculator so basically as it's a round calculator with a, a football motif on it also uh, solar powered also solar powered yeah I'm just wondering if it says here. Yeah, it doesn't. So the, that actually comes before the, the visor. But the calculator doesn't tell you how solar power works. So at this point, you're like, solar power? So that, how does that go anywhere? And then you get to the visor, and it's like, ah, right, okay, okay. So I think they missed a wee trick there. They could have put that in the top. It's also quite expensive, £5.95. I mean, you could buy a calculator now for probably about a pound. Mm. That yeah. does would have those functions, so that's quite expensive. Maybe I wonder if it's the solar element that is adding to the expense of that. I, I don't, yeah, I would assume so. I mean, you know, it's probably about the you know, the fact that they can get produced so cheaply these days, whereas back then, probably still at the, the forefront of um, the technology in the early days of it. So, the other thing I want to look at is this super 11110 micro camera. And it's a micro camera on a keyring. This is three pound ninety five. So this a camera is cheaper than the the nice. the calculator. But it says it utilizes the film cassette as part of the camera body. When not in use, a dummy cassette clips into place, in which you can keep one pound coins. So it's you can imagine it. So the if if people don't remember old cameras, then this probably. Um, the visuals probably won't be there for you but essentially the cassette the the film clips into place and that becomes the body of the camera and it's, it's quite a it's quite nifty I th yeah i think it's quite a, a clever way of um you know keeping the thing in miniature but it says this this is a real camera not a toy and takes quality snapshots Ideal, ideal for all outdoor photography. Slip one in your pocket and be ready to capture that magical moment. So, I mean, it's it is obviously quite a small thing. I'd, I'd be interested to know the quality of of that. Um, so that's what that. Any anybody want to look at the long shine pen light or the the? I mean, that sounds like something Sean Connery would say. The long shine pen light. I wonder if it was a significant source of revenue for them. I mean, how many? Think, do you think they sold a lot of those, these items? Well, certainly not from this magazine. There's a coupon still in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a Cuckoo timer key ring as well. That's not solar-powered, so... And that's £4.95. Yeah, I'm not having that. So, it's the Hacky Sack foot bag as well. Is now back in stock. I never saw this one. The Hacky Sack is a game of fun 
for everyone for both sexes. I don't know why they put that in, which can be played in both solo or group form, indoors and outdoors, and even over a net for advanced players. The object of the sport is to keep the bag aloft in constant flight using a series of different kicks. Hacky sack is an ideal training aid for developing the skills and agilities concerned with other, other sports, football, tennis or squash, or for keeping fit while training. You'll soon pick up the skill. Hacky sack, the ideal leisure pastime. Was it now available in dazzling two-tone fluorescent vinyl? So the vinyl's £3 and the leather is £4. So basically it's, it's a beanbag, isn't it? This must must be like a real snapshot in time because my memory tells me that what my recollection is that hacky sacks were a really big thing for about five minutes, yeah. and like an American, you know, imported from the states. And I'm, I'm sure I saw it on news rounds or something, but it didn't last long. So maybe this is like a just just at the right time to be selling hacky sacks. I don't remember anything about hacky sacks. What about you, Tom? I don't think Tom can hear us, or he's very delayed. Right, okay, so we're, we're on to pages 15 and 16, and this is the match facts, results and ratings. This is from Thursday the 28th of April. Um, so there's a B International, and Scotland played France, and drew, drew one, one each, and this was in Aberdeen. Attendance 7,868, goal from Gary McAllister for Scotland, and Ferrer for France. And on the same night, Scottish Premier Division, Dundee United 2, Hamilton Ackies 1. Yes. Uh, attendance 7,244. Uh, it was Bannon and Clark for United with Hugh Burns scoring the Aki's goal. Now, Hugh Burns was in loan from Rangers at this point and this was the only goal he scored in his short time there. So, John Holt with a top rating of 8 for Dundee United. Well, Hamilton keeper Ferguson also got an 8. Just, I, I sort of, I mean, 87, I didn't really expect that John Holt would still be playing. Yeah, he was. He has quite a this long career with United. In fact, he might have even been a one club, mm. a one player, John Holt, right. uh, and still, I think, still involved with the club. Mm -hmm. So, just moving, the, the, jumping a few pages here, um, twenty three and twenty four is where this um, match facts continues. And I just so it's Saturday the second of May we're looking at here. So we'll look at some of the Scottish Premier Division results. So Aberdeen drew one each with Rangers. Celtic won Falkirk two, so at Parkhead. McClare for Celtic with McGivern in the first minute and a late winner for, from Gilmer for Falkirk. Surely that's the last time Falkirk beat Celtic. <laughs> it could well be. Clydebank nil, Motherwell nil. Top man for Motherwell was uh, John Gagan in that day. Dundee United two, Hibs one, so that's two league, two mm. league wins in a row there. Gallagher and Redford for United with Bell netting for Hibs. Hamilton 1, St Mirren 0, and Hearts 1, Dundee 3. So two from Wright and one from Rafferty. So bittersweet weekend for you there, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not really one for uh, looking over the road too much. No, That's the isn't it? Yeah. First Division, Morton 3, Forfar 1, and Airdrie 2, Dunfermline 1. So in the Premier at this point, Rangers were um, on top at 40, 43 games, four points ahead of Celtic on 63. Dundee United are in third on 59 with a game in hand and Claybank and Hamilton were at the foot of the table so pretty much that's how the, the league would finish so there was only one game left as I say Rangers finished in 69 Celtic 63 Dundee United on 60 points and then Aberdeen behind them on 58 Claybank and Hamilton were relegated in the first division uh, Morton and Dunfermline both got promoted now 
strange because the the day of the or the the week of the magazine or the the results there, Morton were on fifty seven and Dunfermline were on fifty six with a game in hand, but that's how it finished. So both of them must have lost, um, which you know, just saying if the if Dunfermline had won, then they they could have went up as champions. So you know that's that's quite interesting. That breaking them and Troyes were relegated as well. Well, I was just going to go back to that uh, Scotland-France uh, B international. Just looking at the, the teams, some of the players playing for Scotland, you had Pat Nevin, Charlie Nicholas, Frank McAvenny were in the Scotland team that night. Uh, Frank Sosie, Eric Cantona and Laurent Blanc were in the French wow. team. Wow. Whatever happened to be internationals? And what was the purpose of them? The B international? Yeah, what was the purpose of them, and when you know, whatever, when did they stop? And I don't know. It seems a bit lost in the mists of time a bit. That whole concept. Yeah, I think they were kind of sporadic. The be the be international, so neither an under twenty one nor a full international kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the idea of trying to try out guys on the fringes of the first team. Because Steve Clark and uh, Ian Wilson played in that Scotland team as well. Brian Gunn was a goalkeeper. Oh. Certainly, I mean the the thing is though, just you reading that team out. Um, on both sides, it, we we wouldn't be in that position nowadays to have that sort of strength and depth or to to field that second, basically a second team of players that, that are on the fringe. Basically, if if we're anywhere near the team, they're in the team, isn't it at the minute? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it's at this point um, that we give a shout out to our, our charity partner that we have for each season on Shoot the Breeze, and it's back on side. So the the you may be aware of back on site to do some great work helping people with mental health problems, but I'll just give a little um, brief description here. So here in the UK, one in four people will experience a mental health illness each year. Mental health includes a person's emotional, psychological, and social well-being, an obvious widespread problem. Yet it's estimated that only a quarter of sufferers receive ongoing treatment leaving the majority of the UK population tackling these debilitating issues on their own. Here at Back On Side, we have recognised this ongoing dilemma and are determined to rebuild a society where no young person or adult is left tackling mental health problems alone. So that's Back On Side. Um, it's at Back On Side on Twitter and backonside.co.uk um, as well. And what we do is we ask you to go support them, follow them, Give them, give them help there. Donate to them if you can. We also do a donate button on the website that accompanies the the podcast, um, and and each each pound that you donate, fifty percent will go to the the podcast to help run it. Fifty percent will go to the uh, back on side, and it will give you a virtual raffle into a, a prize, which will be the the magazine that we've talked about, and we'll throw in some other goodies as well. So to so get on with that. I'd also like to say a special thank out, thanks to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah for use of the story of the blues in the music for our show. And you can catch up with Pete on petewiley.co.uk where you can check out the details of upcoming gigs and new music. And lastly, we'd also like to thank our producer Diane Jarden for all the great work and support she gives us. And check, check her out at transmissionroom.co.uk where you can book music recording and rehearsal facilities in Clyde Bank. So, that, so just briefly before we go, Paul, um, what what what's going on with your life at the moment outside of the the the, the, the obvious coronavirus? Well, um, really, just work wise, and um, I'm very excited about heights in particular because that feels like a band who are sort of on the runway. Obviously, 
you know, not being able to play shows at the moment has affected all of my bands quite quite significantly. Um, so that's the one missing bit of the puzzle. Um, but other than that, I've been uh, I've been enjoying the football this season up till now. I, I, I think you know, but for listeners, I lived in London for a long time and moved back to Scotland about a year or so ago. Yeah. So I've kind of immersed myself back in Saturday afternoons of just going to Tannadice with my brother that I really like. So mm. very, um, you know, very kind of just absorbing all the facts and whatnot. And actually, one thing in the in, in the issue of the magazine, I just wanted to very quickly highlight that is relevant to your question is. Um, on page 28, there's an advert for Subutio, yeah. which was a game that I was obsessed with as a kid. And I've got back into Subutio over the last year or two. <laughs> and I find myself buying obscure things on eBay and raking around junk shops and car boot sales and picking up wee bargains now and then. And uh, my sort of my mindfulness, if you like, is that I've got quite into painting Subutio figures. Right. So to just like clear my mind for a bit if i'm not out on my bike i'll mm. sit down uh, sit down and, you know paint the most obscure football kit i can possibly find um and then i just hear the ad now and it just you know that seems so familiar you know so, so excited by that as a yeah. maybe, maybe i would have been 15 at this time so i probably lost a bit of interest but <laughs> sort of nine and ten yeah I think I think um, now you mentioned that I'm sure I've seen a couple of tweets where you've 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 shown some some of the beautiful figures or something like that. Is yeah, that, is that yeah, right? you know, because I'm usually quite chuffed to myself for yeah. <laughs> when I manage to, when I manage to pull it off. But life's life's good, you know. Just um, enjoying being in Scotland, enjoying the sort of bit of tranquility. I'm glad, really, very glad I'm here at the moment and not in London. I think that would be quite a difficult, uh, you know, kind of given the current circumstances. Yeah. Um, and you know, using this time to try and get a wee bit better at playing the guitar, and uh, yeah, just that's that's life, really. That's my life. Listen, it's it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again, Paul. Um, we've caught up a few times, but thank you for giving us your time and um, for for shooting the breeze with us. Thank you, Tom, for being Tom. Yeah, thanks, Paul. thanks, Andy. Thanks for everyone for listening as well, and as always, follow us. You know, subscribe, share. Just enjoy the whole the whole thing that we, we try and do here. So until the next time, let's shoot the breeze. <laughs> <laughs>